Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 2, if you'll turn with me, in our last Sunday evening, Together, we talked about some of the ways of God, and the reason that we're here on this subject is because in October of last year, the Lord spoke to me concerning uh, a preparation for us. He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And since that time, we've been working on some of the specific things that he targeted for us to develop. He gave us five specific areas. Number one, he said, know the leading with a certainty. And we're not done with that. We're not done with that. Knowing the leading of the Holy Spirit is one of those things that we need to come back to consistently because... We can gain so much skill if we'll just come back line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and build our skill in following the Holy Spirit. The other thing he said was to practice obedience. We've talked a little bit about obedience. He said develop humility and the love walk. They're connected. The humility we spent a few weeks on looking at humility from the scripture. And we saw Jesus is the example, the Bible example for us of what real humility is. And it's not what society tells us. What we saw in humility ended up being a picture of someone who is entirely dependent upon God. Hallelujah. Who trusts in God and and who is uh, submitted to God. And then we see that the Holy Spirit tells us the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And ladies, didn't we have a great time in the presence of the Lord in our Ladies Spring Seminar this weekend? And we learned about developing the skill uh, in the fruit of joy. Hallelujah. And, how, and we've made it a priority. And then finally, he said the trust in God, His ways, and His Word are safeguard. Three different areas of trusting. Trusting in God, trusting in his ways, trusting in his word. And you know, this being a faith builder's church, we've spent a lot of time talking about the power of the word, trusting in the word, the integrity of the word. And we're right now looking at trusting in the ways of God. Last week, we talked about the way of light, how that the word of God provides light to our paths. And um, let's just refresh ourselves concerning the ways here in Isaiah chapter 2. We'll read verse 2 and verse 3. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many shall go up and say, 
Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we're here tonight in the house of the Lord, and we're here to learn about his ways And when we learn about his ways, we'll be able to walk in his paths. So learning his ways is the precursor for walking in his paths. We want his paths. His paths are the right paths. His paths are the paths that are loaded with all of the supply and the provision for our lives. He has prearranged and made ready for us the good life, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Bible says. And then it says, taking the paths that he has prearranged and made ready. Those paths that he has prepared ahead of time. And so when we walk in the ways of the Lord, we will find the paths that God has for our life. And we don't have to do a whole lot of backtracking and taking detours to try to figure out how to get back on to the plan of God. So Isaiah chapter 55 also talks about the ways of God. We'll look at verses 6 through 11. Verse 6, he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What am I looking for? Seeking the Lord. What am I looking for? I'm looking for his ways. The next verse says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. If I'm returning, if I'm forsaking ways and thoughts that I've been walking in, and I'm returning to him, I'm going to pick up his ways and his thoughts in the return. And God will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And we realized last week when we were talking about this that the word are, A-R-E, is in italics, which indicates it was not in the original text. So let's just read it, pulling that portion out. For my thoughts, not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. He's, he's saying, my thoughts, not yours. My ways, not yours. Amen. He, that's where he wants us to walk. That's what he wants us to think. He's not setting them apart for us to say they're unattainable. He's he's indicating the choice and giving you the open book answer. (laughs) Here's the study guide, my ways. Whenever you come to anything and you have the multiple choice, do I want to take God's way or do I want to take man's way, my way? You You already have the study guide that he's giving you in this verse, it, whenever you come to that open book test, that option, always choose my ways. All, that's what God's saying. Always opt for my ways. Amen? Because as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain comes down, as the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He's just described a whole process 
the evaporation and how the water comes down as snow, it comes down as rain, and it produces, it, it initiates or activates the seed to, to be fruitful, and then that, that water returns in a different way. He said, so shall my word be. I thought he was talking about thoughts and ways. He is. Because God's thoughts and God's ways are found in his word. So he says, so shall my word, the, the word, the container for my thoughts and my ways, it will go forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So if we'll accept the word, which contains the ways and thoughts of God, we'll see God's will. It will produce what he desires in our lives. His word, his ways, his thoughts, when we accept them and let them water the ground of our hearts, and let his, it water that seed of the word in our heart, then we'll experience the will of God and the blessing of God in our life. Amen? So this, these ways of God indicate a road, a path. The word way in the Hebrew language, this is the definition, a road, a path, a journey, a direction, a course of life, a course of life or a mode of action. So there are ways that God has established and we can learn them and practice them. And when we do, our life begins to take on the attributes of God's plan. Our life begins to work the way God intended for it to work. You know, some, sometimes people come in and they, they come into the church and they, they receive Jesus as Lord. They get forgiven of their sin, they, but then they want to keep walking the ways they walked before, living the ways that they lived before, and, and then there's frustration and things happen and they say, God, why is this happening? Why am I experiencing this? Because you're trying to work those old ways in this kingdom, and they don't work in this kingdom. Those old ways don't work anymore. So we got to learn the new ways. We got to learn his ways so that we can have his results in our life. So, so he says in Genesis 18 and verse 19, he says, talking about Abraham, he said, I've chosen him so that he will command his children, and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. I want to look at that phrase, keep the way of the Lord. So there, when, we, when we discover the way of the Lord, now we've got a responsibility with it. Now I've got to keep it. This is the way of God. I can't just say, well, I don't like that way. I don't want to do that. No, 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 this is God's way. Well, but I've never done it that way before. Well, this is a whole new day, baby. It's a whole new day. This is the way of God. He's the one who knows what's best. We've got to trust his way. Yeah, but it doesn't fear. Listen, listen. I'll tell y'all, the first time I tithed, it was with fear and trembling. I needed every dollar in my life. I had nothing. 
I was driving a stolen car. I had what fit in my car. The clothes that I owned fit in the trunk of the car. I had nothing. I'm trying to get custody of my children back. I'm trying to get my, I don't have a place to live. I don't have a job. I don't have anything. And I get my first job as a waitress and I think, $50? You know, come out of there with $50 in tip, $50? How's that going to help me? And now I got to tithe off of this $50? And I started every night waitressing, and they were telling me, but you need to tithe off. I'm tired off this money. I need every dollar, and, and I need it to be, I need more than what I have. So do you see, it seemed so weird to me. Why would I take money I need and, and put it in the offering at the church, in the tithe at the church? Why would I do that? It was so, uh, it was so off. In my thinking, it was a way of God, and the church kept encouraging me. Listen, you need God more than you need that money. You need the blessing more than you need that. God can do more for you than that money can do. And so I said, okay, well, listen, I'm not going back to the place I was before in my, my life And so, okay, I'll do what y'all say. If y'all say I should tithe and God's going to help me, then I'm going to tithe and I'm going to expect God to help me. And so I would pull that tithe out. I would get, I would take my, I would, I worked as the waitress. It was like um, TGI Fridays. It was called O'Charlie's. Y'all ever seen an O'Charlie's? That was my first real job after I got saved. And so I'm there at O'Charlie's. I'm getting my, my, my tip money. And then I would roll everybody's silverware who'd pay me to roll their silverware. Y'all know what rolling silverware is? You know, people will say they didn't. It's side work. And so they were ready to get out of there. They'd say, if you'll roll my hundred pieces of silverware, I'll pay you this much money. So I would stay as long as I needed to because I needed all the money. But then... I'm, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to prove God with this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tithe off this. So every night, I'd pull that tithe off, and then I would put it in the church. And we were having church Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So I was working, and I'd pull that tithe. I'd give it in the church offering, give it, and I'm believing God. I'm believing God. I needed my driver's license back. Y'all know how much? I had to pay thousands of dollars in reinstatement fees. I had to pay to get SR-22 insurance because I'd been in an accident, didn't have insurance. And you know when you got to pay SR-22, you got to pay it for a while. Just because, yeah, so I got to, reinstatement fees were over $2,000. And then I went and they said, you have like $3,000 in fines. Parking tickets, tickets from, from, you know, driving without the driver's license. You know, there was a ticket for that. And they, they're hefty bills. And so I'm like, three, $50 a night, y'all. I'm making tips. How am I going to do this? I just kept tithing. I'm working the way. Tithing, believe in God. Tithing, believe in God. 
Not, and, and when I came back from my meeting, I went in and I stood in line and I thought, well, I've got my SR-22 and, and I'm going to see what I need to do to get my, my reinstatement. And they gave me all of these things. Well, you've got to have this and your reinstatement fee is going to be over $2,000 and you've got $3,000 and fine. I felt so defeated, but I didn't open my mouth. I, we had the phone on the wall. Y'all remember phones on the wall? I went into Oh Charlie's. They, Hannah just looked at me like I was from another planet. Phone on a wall. A pay phone right there on the wall. We'll have to get a, a picture of that ancient thing. Pay phone on the wall. And so I went into work. They dropped me back off at work. I went into work and I called my pastor's wife and I, and I didn't say anything. She knew where I was going that day. And I said, would you speak faith to me? And I'll never forget the first scripture that came out, out of her mouth was God owns a cattle on a thousand hill and one cow would pay for what you need. <laughs> and then she just quoted all these other scriptures to me. And I said, okay, thank you. And I hung up the phone, wiped my tears and went, went to work to do my shift waitressing. And supernaturally, those fines were cut off. The, the attorney who was helping me, the public defender who was helping me get custody of my children back, went in and got all those fines dropped off my record. Supernaturally, the money came in for me to be able to reinstate and pay for, for the, the, the fees that I needed to pay to get the reinstatement on my driver's license, to pay for the uh, um, SR-22 insurance, all of these things that I needed. Supernaturally, the night before the judge wants to do a home study in my house, I, I was able to have the furniture. The, the furniture, you know, I, had, I finally got an apartment, but it was empty. And, and the, the church had all pitched in together and brought in beds and, and linens and things for the wall and everything. It was supernatural the way that God restored it. But <laughs> Hannah, children, this was a telephone. You had to put a quarter in it to make it work. <laughs> you see that little slot over there at the top left-hand side? That's where you put the money in. And if you were making a long-distance call, you better have lots of quarters because you had to drop quarters in for like 3 or $4 worth of quarters to make a telephone call. I know it seems so odd, doesn't it? But now you've been educated. That was worth you combing your hair and come to church tonight. Oh, the ways. But I guarantee you God would not have had legal access to do the supernatural restoration in my life if I had not been tithing. Amen. He would not have had legal access to do that. To restore and to bless and to bring that supernatural help that I needed if I had not been trusting his way. I didn't even understand it. I just began, I just took at face value, it's in the Bible. So, okay. 
And that's where I was. I was at the place that I was so determined not to return to the life of addiction and crime and, and, and misery that I lived before that I'll do whatever the Bible says. I am all in with this Bible thing. You know, I'm going to do what the Bible says. And I was being a doer of the word, trusting this way of God. And it was, there were times it, it just seemed so, so... In my mind, I would put the money in the offering when the offering basket would go by and think, what am I doing? <laughs> my mind would, and my, my body would feel lost because I'm thinking, I need to put that in my gas tank. I need that for, for milk, for the kids. I need, I, because there was so much need. But I did it because it was in the word as a way that God had chosen. And because I continued to do it, I began to see that, that I, trusting in the ways of God, I had to keep the way. Amen. It was something once I learned, this is the way of God. This is a path, a mode of action, a course of life that God has chosen. Then I've got to keep it. I've got to be a doer of it. Deuteronomy 10, 12 uses the phrase to walk in his ways. It says, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways. Notice it's a requirement. What does God require of us? What does he require of us? Well, he's given us so much. You know, here we are as New Testament believers. He's given us so much in the, the salvation that's ours in Christ, in the redemption from sin and the sin nature and from, from spiritual death. He's given us so much, making us heirs of God. Do you think that we are exempt from walking in his ways? Do you think as New Testament believers that, that this, this message of grace and this goodness of God means, I just love you so much, just you just... Do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. And you just behave however you want to behave. Just ignore all of my ways. It's okay. Do you think that that's how God is, is mind, his mindset is? No, no. The reason he wants us to walk in his ways is because they're good for us. They are safety for us. They're help for us. So he says he requires that we walk in his ways, that we walk in his ways. So we're learning that some of these ways, and I'm using tithing because it was the first way of God that I really had to wrap my mind around and apply it, even though I couldn't quite explain it all naturally. But I found it to be so beneficial to know that I'm walking in the way of God. So this way of God, there are ways, and I want to talk about a different way. We talked about the light, walking in the light and letting the word of God shine the light. We talked about different aspects of that, but tonight I want to talk about another one that sometimes rubs you the wrong way. It just rubs your flesh the wrong way, but it's one of the best things you'll ever learn to do. Are you ready? Let's go to Mark 11. And before you think I'm about to talk about faith, I'm not. Because faith doesn't rub your flesh the wrong way. It is, an, it is a way of God, but it's not one that, that, that you have to put your flesh down to make it work. 
But in this teaching on faith, Jesus did identify one of the ways of God. Let's look at verse 25 of Mark 11. And when you stand praying, forgive. Oh, I know. I know. I heard the, mm, I heard them as just like a little underlying. Oh, yeah. Forgive. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say it rubs your flesh the wrong way. If you stand praying, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought. Ought is not a word that I use a lot in that way. Ought against any. Can we look at the Amplified? The Amplified will help us to know if we have this or not. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's what ought is. If you have ought, anything against anyone. So this covers a wide spectrum of, of things that where people have looked at you the wrong way, talked about you, did mean things to you, threw their trash in your yard, cut you off on the highway, took your promotion at, jo- at your job, whatever the case may be. Anything against anyone, he says, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. In order that your father who is in heaven... Now, we're, why? Because this is a way of God. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Do, it, do you want God to let it drop when you come to him and say, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me. Forgive me for how I acted. Forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for what I did. Do you want God to say, sure, I'll let it go. I'll drop it. No, I'm not holding on to that. I'm not holding that against you. Well, if this is the way of God. If we want God to let it drop when we mess up, to forgive us, then Jesus said we must forgive. Hallelujah. It is a way of God, and it's a way of God that we can't opt out of. We can't say, well... That person really did something to me. And so I'm going to hold on to it because I'm not going to let them hurt me like that again. That, real, that person, I'm not letting that go. I'll take that to my grave with me. We can't, that's not an option. If you are bought by the blood of Jesus, you are not your own. He is Lord. And if he says, if you have anything against anybody... You've got to drop it. You've got to leave it and let it go. Forgive them. Hallelujah. And that, and say, well, I'm forgiven, but I'm not going to forget. That's, that, doesn't, that doesn't jive with Scripture. Now, you don't have to let, put yourself back in a position for them to do that to you again. Because forgiveness is not about them. It's between you and God. You forgiving them is not between you and them. You forgiving them is between you and God. 
And so we're not forgiving them to make them feel better or to let them off the hook. God will deal with them, especially if they've done something to transgress or to violate or to hurt you or someone in your family. You holding the place of being the one who exacts vengeance upon them is not beneficial for you. It's not going to work. It's going to end up destroying you from the inside out. So this is why the way of God is you forgive. You forgive and, and then trust me to handle what needs to be handled and to do what I need to do. But if we hold on to that unforgiveness, it becomes like a poison that eats away at our lives. It eats away at our hearts. So God says, you can't hold that. And so in this teaching on faith, the most profound teaching on faith we have in the Bible, Jesus himself teaching us how to operate the faith of God, he indicates the value or the, the, the required element of having that unforgiveness dealt with in the process of working our faith. Amen? Let's also look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. And I'm going to ask for the Amplified. We'll go straight to the Amplified with this one. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment. Y'all, this is to the believers. This is to church folk. <clears throat> Why? Because we need to know we, we have flesh. It's possible for us to have this anger, to have a bad temper or resentment. So what do we do with it? He says, let this all, this bitter, this bitterness, indignation, wrath, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language, let it be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Just let it all be put away. Just get it out of your life and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. Now, the emphasis is on, especially in the body of Christ, we've got to live forever together. The love command is not going to, to become uh, invalid when we leave this earth. It's like, oh, well, you were under the love command when you were on the planet, but, but now, that, now that the time is over and we're in the next, do you think the love command is going to be done away with? No, we might as well practice this. We might as well go ahead and get, get some skill in it, right? And forgiving especially among fellow believers, but forgiveness overall needs to be something we practice. Holding unforgiveness needs to be like contraband. I don't want to get caught with that. I don't want to have that unforgiveness and don't let him shine his light in that area of my heart and say, what is that? What is that that you're hiding there under your emotions? 
You got the church smile? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hate it when she comes over here to talk to me. going to come over here to talk to me. <laughs> right? And God shines his light. What's that? Got the flashlight out. He's looking in the window. Like the, the police officer walking up and he says, uh, yeah, what's that over there on the other side of the seat there? <laughs> Forgiving one another how? Readily and freely, it says. How do we forgive? Readily. That means quickly, promptly. So for me to be quick in forgiving, I'm going to have to practice that because my flesh is really good at holding on to grudges. The flesh, everybody's flesh, not just my flesh, flesh in general is good at keeping record of a suffered wrong. That's why we've got to be people who walk in love because love doesn't keep record of a suffered wrong. It's, that's a different way. We're talking about a, a way that God has developed and chosen, and it's a proven way if we'll walk in this way. If we'll walk in this way, our lifespan will be longer. Unforgiveness shortens the lives of people. Bitterness and wrath and anger makes the heart rate go up. It makes ulcers in the stomach. It makes, it makes those, those wrong emotions, you know, worry can, can cause ulcers, right? A thought that produces a physical reaction in the body. I wonder how many people have suffered sicknesses because they've held on to bitterness. I would say a lot. I would say when we come to find out for sure, our science indicates a lot of it. But I would say when we come to a place of understanding of the kingdom of God in a greater level, we'll see that a lot of people died early because they allowed the wrong things to remain in their heart. And so we want to walk in the way of God and trust his way and be obedient to his instruction to forgive because we want to have his results in our life. Let's go to Matthew 18. And we'll begin in verse 21, I think. 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And again, we're talking about in the body of Christ. This, this is relationships, but overall, forgiveness is something that we need to make our lifestyle. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, I would imagine Peter thought this was a generous guess. <laughs> he, he thought seven times. I mean, that's, Lord, seven. Woo! Are you impressed with my number, Lord? Is, is seven times enough? And Jesus said, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. <clears throat> 490 in a day, right? If you forgive someone 490 times, somewhere around number 300, you get into the habit <laughs> of forgiveness, right? 
Talking about practicing forgiveness. He wants it to be habitual. I am a habitual forgiver. It's a practice that has become a second nature to me. That's what he is telling us. I want this to be your lifestyle. I want it to be something that you are good at because you have practiced it. We know that this forgiveness is a cornerstone of our faith. It is an element that is necessary. It is a way of God. Even Jesus in the Lord's prayer said, Lord, we ask you that you forgive us the same way we forgive others. Hallelujah. He said to include that in our conversation with God to make sure that we've got that forgiveness always out there at work in operation in our life. We have such a great example as Jesus on the cross forgave the people of their sins even as they mocked him and watched him die. But when we are in the middle of being hurt or offended by someone, the idea of forgiving that person may feel like we're being asked to tear out our heart and give it to the people who have hurt us. That's when we've got to say, I walk by faith and not by sight. I forgive by faith. Now, I, I explained how tithing was a way that God, in the beginning, it was one of the first things that I began doing even when I didn't understand it. I would say forgiveness would be second because I was in church and I'm hearing the word preached and I'm trying to get my life back together, and I've had a lot of people who've done me wrong, and they start talking about forgiveness and telling me that I have to forgive people, and I came up with my excuses as, no, I cannot forgive. And I think the one that was the most memorable for me was a person who had done something very wrong, very wrong, criminally wrong to one of my children. And I, I would hear these messages on forgiveness and think, I will never be able to forgive that person of what they've done and how they have have trespassed against my child. How can I forgive that? And it was an offense that I had, I had built up hatred against that person. I had built up unforgiveness against that person. Every time I was having to deal with putting this life back together and helping this person overcome it and see how it was affecting them in their own life, I thought, how can I ever forgive this person? And every time I practiced that unforgiveness, it built up layer upon layer of unforgiveness in my life. And now here I am in the presence of God and I've come to a place in my walk of faith. I've come to a place in my walk with God that he is shining that light in my window and saying, you've got to let that go. You've got to forgive. And I, and I would argue with God, God, how can I let them go after what they did? 
and the hurt and seeing my, my child hurt and seeing the, the damage that it had done, I kept telling God, how can I let that go? And he said, trust me, I'll deal with what they've done wrong, but you holding that unforgiveness is keeping you from helping them get past it. You, there's no healing going on in anybody's life because that unforgiveness is like the, the, somebody continually pulling the scab off of the wound. There's no ability for the wound to heal because that unforgiveness is causing it to fester. It's causing it to continually stay raw and stay uh, um, infected. And so I said, okay, I'm going to trust your way because you said I have to. And you know what? Sometimes that's good enough. If for no other reason, just the obedience factor. I'm doing this because you told me to. That's good. That's enough. You know, when we're training children, sometimes they don't want to do it and their attitude about it is wrong and they might even, but just go ahead and do it because I asked you to, because I said. (laughs) And then next time we'll work on your attitude about it. And God said, okay, that's good enough. Just do it because I said it. And I, I said, okay, Lord, I forgive that person for what they've done. And then a week later, somebody said a name that reminded me of that person's name. And all those feelings came back up. And I, I went to God, Lord, I said I forgive them. I thought I forgave them, but it's all still right there. I have the same feeling. I have the same anger. I have the same venom. It's all right there. He said, you just peeled one layer off the onion. Peel the other layer. I said, Lord, I forgive them. You know, and it took me a few times. It took a few layers. I just keep peeling the onion. I forgive them. I'm doing it by faith. I'm doing it to, in obedience to your word. I forgive that person. I drop it. I leave it, I let it go. And eventually, if you'll keep making that faith declaration, I forgive that person, I choose to forgive, I drop it. Eventually, that onion, you'll come to the end of the onion. And you'll be free. Yeah, if you peel an onion, it might make you cry. (laughs) But that's okay. That's okay, just keep peeling the onion because we want to get past all that is causing the wound to stay a wound so that God can heal. And when we get that unforgiveness dealt with by our faith, then God will be able to work in that situation. So sometimes people think if we forgive, we've just got to get over it immediately. And I didn't get over it immediately. Because that forgiveness was a process, especially when it's something that's very serious that has been done to you, that has been done against you. I remember hearing a story about a woman. Her name was Corey Tenboom. She survived the, the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Her whole family died in the concentration camps and during that, the war. And in the 
she was a young girl when she went in and, and, and lived through a large part of that. One of her sisters was in the same concentration camp with her, her older sister, and she watched a certain guard be so brutal and so mean in tormenting her sister and, and treating her sister, beating her, making her do things that were, were hard because she was so weakened and so sick in her body, and they would just torture her and, and tease and, 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 and abuse her, and she died because of it, and she watched it. And she was, uh, she was there with her sister in that situation until she passed. And years later, after the war, Corrie ten Boom, who, who she wrote the book, The Hiding Place, and has such a testimony uh, of God's restoration. And she is going back to some of those areas and teaching from the Bible and giving, giving messages and sermons and ministering to the people and after one of her sermons, a man walks up to her, and he sticks out her, his hand to her, and he says, I'm so glad to hear the message of restoration and that you ministered today because I've accepted Jesus and asked him to forgive me of my sins. And here is this man standing there with his hand out waiting for her to respond, and she recognized this is that guard who tortured and mistreated and abused my sister. And he's now telling me he's a brother in Christ, and he's holding his hand out. And she said, in my mind, I'm thinking, I can't take his hand. I can't offer hospitality to someone who was so, so brutal and caused and was, was a part of my sister's death. How can I forgive this man? And she said in that moment, she said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do it in my strength. But if you'll help me, I will forgive him. And she said, I reached out my hand. I made my hand reach out and take this man. And she said, when I did, the love of God flooded my heart. When she acted on that choice to forgive, God's love came and helped her to forgive. Hallelujah. She tells another story that I think is interesting that happened later. Here she has learned this great lesson about God's ability to forgive. But she tells another story of being in the ministry and they were doing different things and she had like different houses where they were helping people who had been misplaced by the, the war and different things, helping them get their lives back together. And during this time in ministry, some people had, some, uh, some people who were supposed to be helping her in the ministry stole all of her contact information, took all of her donors who were helping support this these houses and these restoration homes and, and, and took them and began doing their own ministry with those who were supposed to be supporting her ministry that she had gathered through her years of diligence. And um, they had gone on and they, they said, we didn't do anything. They, they, they denied it. They never took responsibility for what they'd done to her and to her ministry. 
And someone came into town to visit her, and they, were, they stopped by her house, and she's having tea with them. And she is telling them about the fact that they were, they were asking about it. And she says, they've never even admitted what they did to me. They've never ad- even admitted stealing all that information from my ministry and taking all those people who had promised to. And, and she was saying this and she said, and I even have the proof of it. And she goes over to say, to pull the documents out to prove it. And, and she says, you know, but I've forgiven them. And the person said, oh, you've got the records, but you've forgiven them? You're holding on to the documents to prove what they did to you, but you've forgiven them? And she said, here I am, having learned that lesson of God's supernatural forgiveness in that previous experience, and I'm holding on to what these people had done to me because it was... In the ministry, it was what they did to my my call. It was what they did to they. She was holding on to it with her her proof. She said, "I had to tear up my evidence. I had to drop it, leave it, let it go." I have a toddler. I have a, I have a six year old. Y'all have mercy on me. The forgiveness is a way of God that is for our benefit. It's a process, and it's something that we need to practice. It begins with a decision to forgive. It needs to have that basis of obedience. I'm forgiving because God requires it of me. I am forgiving because I want to be obedient to his instruction. He says, if I have anything against anybody, I forgive. I am not, I am not legally, spiritually, hear what I'm saying? I am not in the spiritual realm of things, in the kingdom God way of doing things. I am not free to hold unforgiveness against anybody. And again, I'm not saying that you put yourself back in the position to be trespassed again or violated again or abused or, or mistreated. You can forgive them and not put yourself back in that situation. But we're talking about letting go what they did to you and trusting God with how it plays out in their life. Amen? So this decision, it begins with a decision. You, if, if you don't feel it, that doesn't mean you didn't make the decision. It just means, say it again, release your faith in that forgiveness again, go to God again and say, Lord, I forgive that person. Because remember, this, this is between you and God, this unforgiveness. If you've held it against a brother or sister in Christ and God tells you to go to them and say, listen, I want to ask you to forgive me for holding this against you. Obey the Lord. But I'm talking about situations, circumstances, people who've done you wrong and you've been holding on to it. Don't hold on to it anymore because it's just hurting you. Amen. Amen? So God says that this forgiveness is our way of doing things. Jesus gives 
an example here in verse 23, and we'll, we'll look at this example and, and come to a close here. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, say the same servant, the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, so in, in 10,000 talents was like a lifetime pay for us. Even then, in his lifetime, he would not have been able to earn enough to pay that back. But 20 pence is like $20. So you got somebody saying, you know, I, I owe you a million dollars. I owe you a couple of million dollars. You forgive me, but you owe me 20 Oh, I'm going to take you to court for that, that $20. It says this, this 20 pence, he owed him, I'm sorry, 100 pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, <laughs> saying, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down and besought him, saying, have patience with me. The exact same thing he had said, I will pay you all, and he would not that went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O you wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because you desired me. Should not thou also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Remember what he said in Mark, in order that my Father can forgive you, you've got to forgive. It's a way. Amen. It's a way of God. It's something God can't violate his way. He can't say, oh, will you just hold on to all your forgiveness? You just hold on to that all of your unforgiveness. Just hold on to all that unforgiveness. It's okay, and I'll just forgive you, but you don't have to forgive anybody else. No, it's a violation of his way. So when we recognize this is a way of God, we pull it out of the feeling category we pull it out of self-preservation category. You're not saving yourself by holding on to that unforgiveness. Amen. You're not protecting yourself by holding on to unforgiveness. Amen. The, the better thing to do is forgive and let God protect you. Forgive and let God avenge you. Forgive and let God deal with the situation, but you be in a place where God can work through you and for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray this. Would you just 
in this moment, just bow your heads and say this with me. Father, I choose to walk in your ways. I desire to be in line with what you have said in your word. So, Lord, I forgive those who have done wrong to me. Help me, Lord, make forgiveness a lifestyle. Now, you may come to situations in your prayer time where God's going to deal with you about some things, like he dealt with me about those things. Take those steps of faith, and with your heart and with your mouth, say, Father, I forgive. When, when that unforgiveness comes up and you feel that angst against somebody and that venom come up, recognize that and say, oh, oh, I'm not going to let that stay in me. I'm going to take that before God, and I'm going to let him know I choose to forgive. And then if you feel it again, say it again. If you feel it again, deal with it. you got to deal with it with your faith to say, I forgive by faith. I forgive that person. Amen. Amen. And you'll see God work in your life. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. What a great week.